It's the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If this is your first time listening to us today, this is a podcast dedicated to helping and equipping parents as well as children's ministry workers and really just anybody to disciple the children that are within our reach with a gospel message of Jesus and with true biblical theology. As always, we're joined by myself, Pastor Tony Tresoni, the family pastor at Westminster Baptist Church in Westminster, Maryland, as well as Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. Wonderful. Now, uh, that how has that gnashing of teeth and the wailing been from losing in fantasy football against me this weekend? Yeah, it was pretty disappointing and humbling. Uh, my players didn't show up and yours did, and so I think you just about doubled my team's score. Yes, yes. Now, uh, is Ash and Sackcloth widely available there in Georgia? <laughs> it sure is, yeah, from our most of our sports teams and, and, and their collapses and, you know, choking, so... Well, it could be worse. You could be rooting for the Baltimore Ravens, who have a quarterback in Joe Flacco that probably couldn't play for most high school football teams. <laughs> yeah, he actually is on my roster. I'm, I'm trying to figure out another backup quarterback solution <laughs> to get rid of him. Actually, no, I did get rid of him. That's right. Because, so, yeah, he's just not reliable. Yeah. I'm sure you could probably just uh, find a way to pick up the guy in the local prep team around you, and he'd probably play better than him. Nice. Yeah. Zero points, I think, outdoes what Joe Flacco will give you. <laughs> anyway, so to more serious, to bring up the topic of our conversation today, uh, today we're going to be talking about teaching children about eternity. And this is actually kind of the first listener-requested podcast. Uh, we had, several months ago, we had a podcast about teaching children about death. Uh, and we talked a little bit about what happens after death, but it was really more focused on grieving and kind of topics along those lines. But today, uh, based upon a requ- uh, conversation that uh, a friend of ours named Dustin. A friend of ours named Dustin was having a conversation with this preschool age, I believe, daughter, and asking deep questions about eternity that even our finite minds cannot really grasp and and the beauty of that kind of curiosity. And so with that, we kind of want to use that as a springboard to talk about the important discussion of, of what happens in eternity and how we explain eternity, heaven, hell, new heavens, new earth, in our podcast today. And you know, we'll, we're going to flesh out a lot of details. We're going to tell you what's going to happen on September 18th. Of, tw- of 2499 in heaven. You know, we're going to base a lot of charts and stuff like that in scripture, right? Yeah, and those, those number codes, I, I think I have finally figured out the formula uh, of looking at the numbers and, you know, the lines and the text, things like that. So thank you, Dustin. Uh, you, you helped us, you know, get turned on to this. We appreciate it. Yes, we do. So now with that, I want to ask you, Ben, what did you think about heaven and hell as a kid? I was scared of hell for sure. Um, I was scared of dying. I, you know, I knew it would be terrible. I probably didn't even scratch the surface, though. And I thought of heaven as like this eternal church service. And some of that was probably from teaching that I received, but some of that was just from my imagination or things I saw on TV <laughs> or whatever. Um, but I imagined that we'd be constantly singing. And when I think of it, it had this, like when I would visualize it in my mind, it had this hazy look about it like it was a dream uh, that you would see on a cartoon or tv or something and so it was just sort of a weird surreal sort of thing yes 
the uh, my experience I think my thought of as a child is very different first I didn't really think much about it uh, as a child about heaven and hell but you know I think when I did think about it I think especially prior to becoming a Christian uh, my thoughts probably turned to it more in the maybe late junior high early high school before I became a Christian uh, I thought heaven is kind of a tailored experience of our favorite things in this life so for me at the time you know being a uh, 14 year old kid I kind of thought, for example, that heaven was going to be, uh, that heaven was going to be skateboarding rink on a beach, uh, <laughs> for me. So for me, it would be, and so someone else, perhaps it might be, uh, you know, an Arctic circle or something like that. Is that just kind of basically the penultimate of personal experience? Mm. It was, I think, a lot of ways what the culture imagines heaven to be. And I thought, you know, I didn't think a ton about hell as well, but my great fear, I think, of dying was that hell would be nothingness. That that not that it would be an experience of of isolation or perhaps nothing at all. So in a lot of ways I think I was terrified of annihilation itself. Hmm. Okay. Now can you think of some hetero orthodox or less than biblical presentations of eternity geared towards children today? Well, and we kind of touched on this when we did the podcast about death, but the idea that we become angels, um, that's pretty prevalent. Um, another one, like you said, the culture's idea of just sort of whatever your preferences are, the things that you like most about this life, or it's just that on steroids in heaven, but sort of, you know, the mansions in the skies, playing harps for eternity. Uh, I actually knew a girl who played the harp, and I think in, in maybe middle school... She, someone made the comment about playing harps, and you know we weren't going to be doing that in heaven. And she sort of took offense at it. You know, just this disembodied souls. You know, another one is that that our pets are going to be in heaven. Now, I, I think there will be animals in the new heavens and the new earth, but that, I mean that's kind of bridging into something else. But uh, I don't know that you know your dog Spike will be in the new heavens and the new earth. But it's just that uh, it's a better version of earth. There's no sin. There's no corruption. Send the hate mail to Ben. Right. And and there's not much emphasis on the presence of God and the unity and the love of his people for one another. It's just sort of, you know, what you like here and now, um, minus the problems that sin brings. Okay. So, well, after you uh, after you suggested that, uh, that somebody's puppy is going to burn for all eternity, I think I've got the easy response on this one. <laughs> I kid. <laughs> yes. So I think of... Uh, I, not long ago, I was listening to uh, a podcast interview with N.T. Wright, uh, somebody I disagree with strongly on many things. I disagree. I agree with and uh, very much on a lot of other things. And he, I think, rightly showed uh, in that interview that a lot of children's images of hell of heaven especially, are really more like a kind of Aesop's fable than uh, anything that's specifically biblical. It's kind of, a, it's in that sense, like a fable. You know, it's it's the children's story more than something that could be really real. It's something to be grown out of, just like, you know, the Tooth Fairy. It's uh, silly like the North Pole, you know, with Santa Claus imagery. Um, you know, and that I agree. We see a lot of you, you become angels. Uh, I remember uh, my wife mentioned it situation not long ago where she overheard someone explaining to their ch- to their children about another child that they had lost that uh, that child's in heaven watching down on them as an angel and mm-hmm. you know even within Christian context that was kind of taught you know I think 
that I know of uh, people that have kind of presented that Christians is when we go up to heaven, you know, we become like a light looking down, you know, you can kind of see that, uh, see your brother so-and-so that's in heaven through the flickering of the sun one day or through perhaps a toy bear. <laughs> that's a true story. <laughs> oh my. Yes. <laughs> so, do children then just need to know that heaven is the great pie in the sky and the sweet by and by? Well, I guess it depends on what kind of pie. Pumpkin, no. of course. <laughs> right, yeah, this time of year. No, I, I think that we need to teach them what the Bible says on, like, everything else. But um, Scripture presents something very different from that, this, you know, ethereal, ghostly existence. Um, and so, you know, places like Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 65 and Revelation 21 and 22, those passages talk about a physical existence. And now, depending on, you know, how you read Scripture and your view of the end times and things like that, I mean, it, that does bring up some difficult questions about how to handle some of those passages. But um, we need, we talk about a new heaven and a new earth. Scripture calls it the home of righteousness. It's physical, um, and it's the resurrection overcoming sin and death. It's wrapped up with God's grand purposes for, for everything, and, um, and so we just we miss it so often. That's good. That's a good point. I, I definitely do agree with you that, uh, that it is far more than the, these unbelievable silly fables. But I also think that... Uh, when we have just an understanding of heaven as that great pie in the sky and the sweet by and by, that uh, these kind of popular presentation of heaven become just really man-centered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think contrary to so much of our culture, heaven isn't about us. It's just not. You know, it, it's not the great church service that you imagined as a child. I think it's so much more than that. It's fellowship with God, but it's also not, you know, that tailored experience to, to your own dreams like I had as a child, like it's kind of depicted to the average person. It's not about your best time, your best life in eternity even. It's, it's far <laughs> greater than that. Yeah, yeah, definitely so. Take a Joel Osteen shot, and even though Joel Osteen's uh, listeners might be listening to our podcast in mass because hey. of the uh, recommendation, recommended listings. That's right, yes. Yes, <laughs> anyway. Uh, do you think that children can understand the afterlife at all, then? I don't know that I can fully, so they probably less so, but I think they can get something. I mean, my daughter said the other day that she just... I don't remember what we're talking about, but the kids are out there on the swing, and she was talking about something, and she said she just couldn't imagine eternity just going on forever. She said everything's got to stop. And so she's wrestling just with the idea. So she's getting it a little bit. We as adults, there's mystery there. There's not going to be every part of it that we can fathom. But even in her six-year-old mind, she was thinking about this and just wrestling with it. So uh, I think there is something that they can understand. That's awesome. Yeah. 
It's it's amazing to see how God works and through that kind of mystery and and through the humility of a child and recognizing what they can't understand and what's beyond them. I think really I agree with you. No one can really fully get heaven and hell. You know I think it's not something that we can fully grasp. And I think even biblical imagery kind of assumes that. You know assumes that Jesus doesn't take the time to explain what's going to happen in heaven in 2089 A.D. You know because it's not. It's far beyond what we can fully grasp in this life. Uh, but, you know, I do agree that children can grasp the simplicity of it. Uh, you know, but uh, I think just like with the Trinity, you know, well, th- there's a beauty in when we explain the Trinity to a child that their our inability to fully articulate it actually kind of brings some humility that mm-hmm. uh, we cannot, you cannot fully articulate the reality of the Trinity. I mean, you can articulate simple truths instead to a child, and the simple truths are really profound and and are really the limits to our human understanding of something that is great and something that is far beyond us. And I think there's some element of truth and relationship to heaven and hell. I think in that kind of way. The what is wise when it is a, when is it wise then then to tell children about eternity? You know, do you just want to kind of wait until your child's mid 40s to talk about eternity <laughs> pretty early i think um you know talking about god's people being with him i think is a way to do it um i don't remember exactly when we started but i'm pretty sure we started somewhere in the, the two to three year old range um where there might have been some sliver of understanding now you know we talked about it before i don't don't remember and I'm not getting a lot of sleep these days with a, an infant um, <laughs> and so it sort of all runs together but um yeah, I think we, fairly early. You know, we obviously didn't break out charts or anything and talking about the intermediate state and, and you know, this kind of thing, but just the idea that there is more um, beyond this life. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think we do introduce it early, you know, even uh, well, I think it's helpful to introduce, like you said, as a child even starts to form their worldview and starts to think about this life at at ages, you know, two and three and young ages, even a little younger than that sometimes, depending on the child. And especially as that happens, you know, I, I think it's awesome to encourage good questions from the children, to, you know, to a- help them, encourage them to explore, to wonder about these things and, and to enjoy and be ready for those questions like your daughter had, like that daughter of one of our listeners had. I think if we uh, if we do introduce it to child at a young age, they will likely be fascinated uh, with the idea and the beauty of the new heavens and the earth, the beauty of eternity, and their imagination will, I think, lead them to thinking about deeper things, deeper things of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, how does our culture understand the afterlife? Do you think? Well, in a lot of different ways, and some not so helpful ways. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, expiration to know afterlife. I remember one time a friend of a friend and I in high school decided we were going to go to Walmart and try to share the gospel with people. And uh, we approached this lady and asked her where she thought she would go when she died. She just looked at us and she goes, in the grave, like everybody else. And then she just sort of stormed away, <laughs> like, okay. Now, um, and I think, I mean, obviously, I think there was some baggage there, but... Um, a lot of people think, you know, that's it. But, you know, not everyone is a out-and-out naturalist. 
actually yeah. I encountered some book today that this uh, mom wrote. The, the boy, two-year-old boy, was claiming that he was a baseball player in a, a former life, and he was saying that he was Lou Gehrig, and he was remember quote remembering all these details, you know, riding on a train across the country and mm -hmm. different things like that. And the kid has had an uncanny ability for uh, playing baseball at his age, and so um, the mom actually said she was a Christian and said, "I but I." I challenged my belief in reincarnation but then I started looking at scripture and I didn't see anything in scripture that would contradict that thinking well you might need to go back and look but um, <laughs> so I mean you have this idea there of reincarnation um, rewards for being good and you know maybe rapists and child molesters in Hitler are in hell um, I haven't met too many people who would deny that you know the real baddies like those kind of people um, deserve some kind of punishment but they rarely think that they or most other people do yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think those are good observations. I do want to say, you know, that uh, the Lou Gehrig one meant thing you mentioned about it is quite silly and ridiculous. But honestly, I, I don't think it's any more any less ridiculous than uh, some of these uh, some of these children's heaven experience books that are popular and selling off the bookshelves. <laughs> Which then they, they come out later like, oh, yeah, I lied. I just wanted attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it's not like Scripture says it was appointed for a man wants to die and then to face judgment or anything. But, uh, anyway. <laughs> so, you know, I think, well, I actually think that's funny, too, and related to this. Because, you know, I think when you do find a lot of these uh, after-death experience books that are that are selling off the shelves in the Christian bookstore, I mean, they, their version of heaven is really a cultural version of Hendon, I mean, it bears more similarity to pop culture in America than it does to anything in the Bible. Uh, but, and I think a great way of how we see our culture's understanding of that, beyond the naturalism though, is uh, even in a popular show, my wife and I have been enjoying the, the show The Good Place. Have you heard of it before? Uh, I've, yes, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. It's quite funny, not uh, biblically accurate by any stretch, but it kind of... It does have Ted Danson, okay. which is always wonderful. So, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, it, you know, it kind of depicts a uh, a woman uh, mistaken who should have gone to the bad place because she was a bad person goes goes to the good place, which is essentially heaven. And it's just that heaven is just supposed to be this this perfection of bliss, you know, that uh, just just for the nicest of the nice people and our wildest dreams all the time. You know, the uh, there it's far more focused on being able to f experience flying for the first time than any sense of God's glory or, or even focus on being united with one another in any kind of relationship. I, I think that, uh, you know, we, we depict it in that kind of vague way. I think your point of the ethereal, that uh, this kind of ethereal existence that's sometimes maybe a little silly and is probably more pagan than it is in any sense biblical. Mm-hmm. So how do we protect children from that cultural mythology? Do we uh, tell them they can't ever watch The Good Place? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I think you should. You're careful about what you say, and um, you want to make sure that what you believe is correct and is what God has said, um, and that's shaping how you parent them, how you teach them, um, how you counsel them. Um, but be careful about what you read, what you watch, and what they're allowed to, uh, because that does have such a power. Like I talked about when I was little, uh, and not even that little, but I don't remember when I figured out that you know the, the cloudy stuff 
thing that I envisioned in my mind wasn't really how heaven is, or I, scripture doesn't say that it is, I guess we'll put it that way. But I had this idea that it was like a dream, and, you know, it was kind of cloudy, foggy, almost, and, uh, you know, I probably saw that on a screen somewhere. And so what is put before us on a screen can just sear images into our minds and affect us in ways that, that you know, probably we're not fully aware Yes, I agree. I think one way that we can help in this as well is I think it's important to teach our kids about sin and God's holiness, you know, and I think and how that shapes everything. And so I think that's going to make when we make uh, a focus on not that we're a good person and therefore a good person goes to heaven, but we show that we're sinners and unworthy of God's grace, but also show God's holiness that rejects sin and God's holiness that is a special, beautiful, holy presence that is in heaven for those who regenerated, those who trusted in Christ. I think it's going to really reshape. It's going to be more of a God-centered understanding of heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think likewise, another way is can we connect it all to creation and new creation? Uh, you know, again, we've mentioned in a previous podcast the error of, you know, the angels in the outf- outfield mentality, uh, <laughs> the kids' movie, which I watched when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Uh, where we basically just become angels and, you know, and we dance around in heaven for all eternity. I mean, it's not even <laughs> accurate to say that we are in heaven for all eternity. That's I true. think we need to understand that God's great work is a work of recreation, of new creation. God's going to make all things new. He's going to recreate a better world, that a better that a better garden, you know, for for us to live with eternity with Him. You know, we're not going to kind of be be these uh, massless spirits somewhere out in the sky for eternity. We are truly going to be flesh and blood uh, in eternity with better bodies than we once had. Um, and I think we do interact. That you know. We don't shelter our kids from the world views around the around them. We interact with them. They're going to see uh, the type of mythology in movies like Angels in the Outfield and shows like The Good Place, and interact with it and show the um, show the unbiblical principles behind it. As they get older, similarly, we react to the naturalism, the attitude, oh, well, I'm just going to go in the grave like everybody else. Not be afraid of it, but instead, instead expose it and and show how scripture contradicts and how scripture relates to that yeah that's that's really good now how uh with that all being said how do we explain heaven to a child ben and i want you to fully explain every aspect of it i think the simplest way i could do it would be the good of this life minus the sin and and wanting to sin plus being with God and in perfect love with all his people. Now, like you said, there is a distinction between heaven and then the new heavens and the new earth. And heaven is uh, until God recreates um, his, what he's made and puts people with resurre- resurrected bodies there. But um, it is to be in the presence of the Lord and to be, uh, you know, again, in perfect love and, and unity with his people. So that's probably a very inadequate um, description, but just trying to keep it very simple. And, and you know, again, I, my understanding of all that uh, could grow. Yes, that's good. Uh, yeah, I think in a very similar way, similarly, yeah, I think to show God's holy presence and just that it's an intermediary place, a place without sin, placed in that way without, like you say, without blemish, that... Uh, 
It is God's it's God's holy presence, and, and we know that it's a place of joy, a place without pain, a place uh, a place without sadness. But it is something that we don't really fully have grips on. You know, I actually think even like new heavens, and new earth are talked about with far more detail in Scripture than heaven is. That's yeah, that's a good point. So uh, that how then do we explain hell to a child, or should we at all, for that matter? And I assume the way that you'll say that we should do is, you know, just frighten them uh, in every possible way. You know, put on uh, this Halloween as we get ready. Uh, this is recorded before Halloween. We'll be posted after to put up a, the biggest hell house they've ever seen at your church. Is that probably the way we do it, right? Well, I like the idea. Uh, we talked about on the, the Halloween episode recently the fire and the barrel illustration. You know, and, and saying, you know, here's a card, here's your name, here's heaven, here's hell, light the hell on fire, <laughs> and then put your name where you want to be. You know, I, I do think that's fear-mongering. Uh, I think that is emotionally manipulating people, uh, and children in particular. Yeah. Um, now, I get Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else in Scripture, and he talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. Um, and so that gives us a lot of precedent that we should talk about it. And... Um, but I think we should explain the basics that it's terrible and that God isn't, doesn't make his presence known there to bless um, and that it's for people who keep on loving their sin. Um, they, they keep on, they, they persist in their rebellion. I wouldn't explain it to a child as persisting in rebellion, but that's a succinct way of doing it. And, but always use it to give them the gospel and not just as some coercion to obey, like, you know, you're going to go to hell if you don't start listening to me. Um, while that's true, I mean, and, and disobedience to parents is, God takes that very seriously, but using it as an opportunity to tell them to turn from their sin and, um, and you know, invite them to trust in Christ. Yeah, I think we should, we should definitely explain it. I would agree with you. And, uh, and it, because if we don't explain hell to a child, uh, they can't understand sin. And mm-hmm. they ultimately can't understand the gospel if they can't understand sin. I think if we show, you know, just sin is uh, effectively all we do if we don't explain God's judgment to, to young children is show sin is kind of bad behavior. And we they don't even, even if we kind of give some explanation that God will punish without showing the severity that God punishes forever, you know, maybe it's just a bad habit that uh, that sin becomes. And so I think we expose it to him at young age. And I know this is hugely unpopular. I know uh, in our podcast episode about ta- one of the interviews with the VBS Reach Out Adventure, we, we talked about that and how VBS Reach Out Adventure kind of goes out of the way to be clear on topic even hell when a lot of churches want to avoid that with children i think you do a lot of damage though when you avoid it um the you know i think we don't explain it as and in the way that the cultural understanding is not pitchforks and demons spit roasting people uh but i think scripture shows <laughs> as uh separation uh and that uh, and darkness you know that i've heard people say you know it's better to reign in hell than uh than to serve in heaven or mm-hmm. something along those lines and uh, which actually is a really old uh, old idea and the uh, people want to you know party it up in hell you'll hear people well I mean I think scripture shows that there is no social dynamics in hell I mean um, I think maybe even scripture might show that, that we have no awareness of one and of anyone else in hell it's entirely an isolated suffering which is worse not better than the pitchforks and the uh, demon spits right <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's um yeah, those are excellent points. 
But I think with that, we do be careful not to terrify young children. Or, you know, like you said, with that way you described earlier, with the, that to, with the fire, literal fire, give hell insurance. But, I mean, I think at the same time, as much as we need to be careful not to utterly terrify our kids uh, in the way that we would by describing a Saw movie, you know, there are worse things. I mean, there are frankly worse things than having them be afraid of hell. That's true. How do we help children see, though, the distinctions between heaven and the new heavens and new earth, Ben? You mentioned this earlier, but that it's a temporary place, uh, heaven is. And I, I would keep it basic. And like you said, there's um, a lot more description about the new heavens and the new earth. And not that it gives us the, the full scope of everything, but it does describe it more um, with more details. And so I would emphasize that in the new heavens and the new earth, it's God finishing up keeping all of his promises and overcoming all the sin and the bad stuff that we've done. The, the, our school has a, uh, or excuse me, our church has a school, and I was speaking in chapel today, and um, I asked the kids about, uh, what do you think about when you hear the word destroying? You know, you don't think of a good thing. And I said, well, how about Jesus destroying? Uh, but there are two places, at least, um, I haven't done like a grammatical study on this, but I know of two places where it talks about uh, Jesus destroying in the New Testament, and it said that he came to, dis- the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's in First John, I believe. And then um, in First or Second Timothy, it talks about him destroying death. And so, um, you know, that's what the resurrection is all about, God overcoming sin and, and its consequences, which are death. And so the new heavens and the new earth is sort of the, the final fulfillment of all of that, and, and God, you know, finally fulfilling all the promises that he made, tying them all together. And so, um, yeah, it's an opportunity to teach them about the faithfulness of God and the overcoming power of God. I think we should not treat heaven like it's the main thing when we talk about these kind of things. And I think it can be so easy, you know, that Jesus is our hope of heaven, you know, and only entirely talking about heaven, the way to heaven. But that's not what the Bible's about. That's not what our salvation is even primarily about. That's a good point. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not our ultimate destination, and it shouldn't be. You know, it's an intermediary place. In some sense, you know, the we should be sad that heaven need exist. We should hope that, you know, things could be immediately restored. But, you know, they are not. And instead, it's a place of waiting, a place of anticipating, a, a place of greatness that's anticipating something greater. Uh, you know, and I think in that we... It's perfectly okay and good to help kids to see that uh, a lot of lost one that is Christian is in heaven. But even that heaven is incomplete, is an incomplete place, is an incomplete act of salvation and restoration before God. That uh, before God's great new garden. You know, one I, book I can think of that I think articulates. The view that the eternality of new heavens and new creation is the, a book called The Garden, the Curtain, and the Cross. Uh, the, a kid's book recently released. I strongly encourage our listeners to get The Garden, the Curtain, and the Cross. And yeah, and it kind of sees that basically the cross, the main work of the cross is to bring us that, to, is to tear the curtain and bring us back to the garden. And that garden is not heaven, that garden is the new heavens and new earth. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. Now, can we answer all of our children's questions about eternity? I assume that's absolutely we can, right? No. <laughs> we haven't been there, 
and, and the Bible doesn't answer all our questions. So, I mean, sure, there is mystery there, and some, it's, it's okay to say, I don't know. Yes, it is okay. Uh, yeah, and I think we can say, I don't know, and I think we can make, I don't know, an exciting thing. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, you could really even say, well, from what we know, it's going to be, um, as as the president has become known for saying, tremendous, and I mean, that, that doesn't really do it justice. It's going to just be unbelievable, un, you know, just unfathomably great and just get, man let's think about this for a minute what, what could it be like and um, you know you want to steer it towards it's being God centered but um, but also just a place of uh, great joy you know I think curiosity is excitement mm-hmm. uh, when we're curious about something nobody's ever been bored about uh, while they're curious have they been <laughs> no that's a good point yeah that's um, yeah and I think curiosity is also honest and humble. You know, when we're curious about something, it's omitting yeah, our, our inability to fully know. I think there's a great beauty in that kind of curiosity. And that's, I really enjoyed a talk from Andrew Peterson at Children Desiring God. Uh, I'm sorry, not at Children Desiring God, at the ERLC Parenting Conference. And, and he kind of extolled the virtues of imagination and curiosity. And I think they're kind of two sides of the same coin. And I think when it comes to the eternal, those are beautiful things. And it makes us more passionate about them. Rather than you know that rather than just wondering rather than just thinking we don't have an answer but recognizing there is an answer out there and and I crave to know it I crave to find more and I think it makes us crave the afterlife it makes us crave the presence of Jesus more and more that's a good good insight I read something from Sally Lloyd-Jones who authored the uh, was the Jesus Storybook Bible, and it was an interview with her, and she talked about when you're teaching children, don't just okay here let's review the points, but trying to to get their imagination firing because it engages them in the the story um, or whatever it is that you're talking about more. And I mean, sometimes you can take it too far, and obviously, <clears throat> when you're trying to figure out something that you just don't know about, and God hasn't given us full uh, disclosure on all that, you can. Maybe you can get out in left field somewhere, but um, but yeah, it can build excitement for sure. How can churches be sure to teach children about eternity? How can they be really intentional in this kind of way? Well, don't simply teach moral lessons or kind of a prosperity theology light. Teach the gospel and teach the full scope of Scripture and teach them systematic theology. Um, and that could, you could just have it built into what you're already, your curriculum or your lesson plan or your scope and your sequence, that kind of thing. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, all right, everyone pull out uh, your Thomas Aquinas and, or your Grudem or Erickson or whoever it is that you like. You, you want to teach them a coherent picture of what the Bible's about. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot. It's not just about be good, don't be bad. Um, and Scripture does point that you know God is taking history somewhere. He made this creation for a purpose, and He's taking it somewhere. And you know, ultimately, the new heavens and the new earth is the home of righteousness. It's not here. It's not now. It's not when you know the next person gets elected or, or whatever. Even if they're part of your party, <laughs> uh, despite despite popular opinion, even if they are part of your party. It won't won't bring in the new heavens and the new earth, uh, and I think even if you're a uh, uh, post millennialist, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, just you want to teach them what's in scripture and pointing out that that God made us um, 
to know him, to be with him, and you know, I think teaching too about now. Th- this is this is stretching a little bit, but I mean the humanity of Jesus, and that Jesus will forever have a body. That God thinks that much about physical existence that you know the eternal Son of God will all you know he, he has become human forever. And, um, and and he intends for us to to be with him and, and to enjoy a physical existence. So yeah, those are just some scattered thoughts on it. But that, I, just, I think a lot of there's a lot of benefit in that. I think one way a way I kind of quickly summarize it for how churches can do that is to teach life as a pilgrim's progress as a pilgrim's mm. progress that kind of experience that John Bunyan sought as, you know, this life is a pilgrimage towards our true and holy home. And I always uh, connect in our messages that God's restorative gospel to make this more than just, you know, even more than just getting us saved, you know, and the door to salvation that we don't have to go to hell, but in to show how and to show how our Jesus makes all things new and and the beauty of that. That's a yeah, that's a great point because not that you you and I would not diminish the need to have our sins forgiven and be reconciled to God, but that's not the end of the story, you know, got your ticket punched kind of thing. So Yeah, that's why I mean, this is why we need that in fact, I think. Right. Because the the great reality of God's restoration and and our ultimate hope rests rests in that in that alone. Yes. Now, how can parents initiate faith talks with their children about eternity? Death will prompt these kinds of conversations, um, whether it's the death of a person, a pet, roadkill. Um, and so use those moments to connect to God's plans for creation and sin and, like you said, God's restoration and his promises for the future. At some point, discuss with them, this is kind of a, a, in a different vein, but discuss with them your use of money and time and resources and you know, say, we do this because there's more than just this life. Jesus said, store up treasures for yourselves in heaven. And I think, I mean, I don't think it ends there. Um, and he also said that if we gain the whole world but lose our souls, then we haven't gained anything. You know, we've really lost everything. And so that what you do with the resources God has entrusted to you can be an avenue to talk about those things that, that we're living for something past this life and the pleasures of this life. And then, you know, even use it to... Um, imagine what the, the glories and the joys of the life to come could be like. Yeah, I, I wrote, you know, sickness, heartache, and injustice, and even like you mentioned, death, especially the death of a loved one, shows us this world is not home. Mm-hmm. And so I think every single one of those tragedies uh, that can show us that we need something better yeah. And that there is hope through the darkness, and you know, and I think that that the reality of the new heavens and the earth, the reality of heaven, is the only reason way in which that those pain, those painful moments, can truly be in any sense redeemed. It's the only way in which there can be a purpose and understanding and and something better through that pain. Uh, but also, I think at the same time, you know. I think a pinnacle of great happiness, you know, an, an amazing vacation, that a great experience with your child, that uh, where they're excited about something they truly, uh, truly enjoy. I think we can use it as a way to show them that our happiness is a point to a better happiness. Yeah. You know, 
I, a pastor that uh, is kind of falling from grace a little bit, I used to say that uh, for the Christian, that we are the uh, closest that will ever be to hell, and for the non-Christian, that we're the closest that they're the closest they'll ever be to be to heaven unless they come to Christ as Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. And so I think using those two experiences, you know, whether it be suffering, whether it be uh, be joy, to show either the greater joy or the end the beauty in the end of suffering those are really helpful wonderful so well thank you for joining us for this podcast i hope it's become uh, incredibly clear that uh ben and i cl- we don't actually believe that you can flesh out every moment of heaven you know you can see just how many dogs how many dogs are going to be there and maybe <laughs> that animated movie is a little inaccurate so and again for that hate mail for the people that are sure that their doggy is going to be saved and in heaven with them that maybe there was a jesus doggy for people who feel that way be f- sure to direct the hate mail at Ben Palaz on Twitter. Right. <laughs> well, we, in all seriousness, we do appreciate you guys, you all listening to us. Uh, we are blessed to be able to encourage uh, Christians in the Lord and encourage one another through this podcast. If you have any questions, if you have any insight, suggestions for another podcast, be sure to contact us. I'm at Anthony Trasoni on Twitter, and Ben is uh, at Ben Palaz. Wonderful. And also be sure to like our podcast on SoundCloud on Audacity. That's uh, we're on even a couple more resources. Some of our newer podcasts are even on YouTube now, so that's new. And uh, be sure to share, whether it be through social media or even just telling a friend about us. And even if you're able to, give us a five-star review on iTunes, as that will help us to reach more people. Thank you uh, for listening today, and we hope that God blesses you. Amen.